Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Ryan, we're um, almost through January here. And so question for you. Um, okay. I know you said you don't do New Year's resolutions, but you have goals. Yes. Right? Yeah. How are they coming? Going pretty pretty well. A lot of yeah. what I'm trying to do is just uh, one of the big goals is going to bed at the same time every night, even on weekends. And Ooh. Sarah and I are doing pretty good. It's like a 30-minute buffer there. But yeah. yeah, that's one of the big ones we're working on. That time would be like eight? Ten. Ten? Yeah, okay. right that's at ten. Good. It's, they say it's really, really good for you if you can... If you can swing it, yeah, so. that's good. So my, um, I do have a new New Year's resolution it has to do with eating, and so Ooh. it's going going pretty well. Um, so I'll tell you, um, for lunch today we have a staff meeting, right? Yeah, I, I have soup. Okay, and don't laugh, but seaweed salad. Oh man, what 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 <laughs> are you good. doing? I'm trying to lose weight, man. What oh, are you talking okay. about? I mean, I, not that I need to. Is you're that what looking you're looking good, man. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, seaweed salad. It's actually the first time I got it. Um, I was like, man, this is going to be awful, but it is really flavorful. I'm not yeah. even sure the restaurant would I'm order sure it from, but really good for you. Anyway, I'm on track. That's good. I'm on track. Well, I'm gonna keep so. you accountable. That's I'm right. All, I'm all about the, the diet it. train yeah. and the health train. But if you have any extra fries, just you know, push them no. away, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, we have a great show lined up today. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about, first of all, um, six life lessons that also apply to investing. And the gentleman that wrote this, his name is David Booth, mm-hmm. and he's one of the leaders at um, Dimensional Fund Advisors, also known as DFA. It's a mutual fund uh, ETF company that we use. Really a smart guy, and um, this is a very interesting uh, take on on life and investing and how it's similar, and some really good lessons, some easy things to think about. So um, stick around for that. Yeah, the next will be three reasons to take Social Security early, which is just always a big question for people is when is the right time to take Social Security? And it's not always a very clear answer. It's different for everyone. And and just three steps on on why you might want to take it early. Yeah, for folks that are approaching it, it's it's a question we have all the time. So um, interesting. That'll be an interesting discussion. And uh, by the way, I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance. I'm also a Dave Ramsey Certified coach, I have over 32 years of experience in planning for both corporations and individuals. And I'm Ryan Borders. I'm a certified financial planner, Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro, and I'm 32 years old. Dude. <laughs> so really? your experience is my age. Yeah, so you were born in 93? 92. 92, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we're we're, we're on yeah. the, uh, the half year here. So. That's right. Yeah, that's funny. I started working when you were... Yeah, being born, right? Yeah. Thanks a lot. Sorry, I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. I appreciate that. So, uh, but we have a great show lined up today. Um, we do have the show up every Friday morning. Um, you can also go to our website, moneymd.net, uh, or iTunes to download it and listen to it at any any point. Um, go to our website, moneymd.net. We have a, a prescription of the week every week. I think I'm doing that this this week. So, um, we're going to start off the show with the financial fact of the week. Ah, uh, yes. Well, can money buy happiness? Can you buy happiness? Um, so the price tag um, to be happy is an average of $1.2 million. You know, having that amount of money means you're happy, which I think is up for debate. Um, while the average Gen Z American says uh, they would take about 488000 so the younger generation is willing to have less, you know, to be, make them happy. But the average millennial, which is where I, that's the generation I fall into, 
uh, would need more than three times that. They say 1.7 million. So it sounds like as people get older, they think they need more to be happy. So that's yeah. an interesting <laughs> financial I don't, fact. I don't agree with that. I don't think money, I mean, having money to pay bills and, and do some life with is important. But gosh, I have um, clients that have way less than that that are the happiest people I know. Yeah. And you know, there's they don't get their money and their their worth from from the bank account, yeah. Know, basically, so gotta be careful with that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's a good financial fact. I don't like it because yeah, just people focus on that way too much. Obviously, you need to have enough to cover your expenses, and so you're not stressed. And, and, and you know what's other, is interesting? Like when you if you have a hundred thousand, your goal is to have two hundred, and when you get to two hundred, it's like I've got to have five hundred. If I was five hundred, I'd feel better. Yeah. And then when you get to five hundred, and you I've got to have 750. So that number always moves mm-hmm. and you'll never be satisfied. So again, you want to, you know, be a good steward of what God's given you and, yeah. and make wise decisions with it, but don't let that define who you are. Absolutely. Um, so very good financial fact and good discussion. <clears throat> Sorry for my coughing spell. No worries. Um, yeah. No worries. I'm just getting excited. Everybody's sick these days. Getting excited about that seaweed salad. So. <laughs> So uh, we're going to start off talking about the uh, six life lessons that also apply to investing. And, you know, um, no matter how familiar you are with investing, you, you've you navigated a lot of uncertainty. Um, you've weighed risk and rewards and made careful, you know, trade-off decisions. Um, you've tackled, you know, challenges of, of life as well. And, um, you know, which also happen to be the central challenges of investing. There's a parallel between the two. So having a good investment experience is more than than just returns. It's also how you feel along the journey. Uh, investing should help you um, live better, uh, a more fulfilling life. And by integrating our life and investment philosophies, we can see that money, um, we can see money as a tool that empowers our plans rather than just a goal in and of itself. I think it's really powerful is if you view money as a tool to meet meet the goals. And so here are six principles that can help us with life and investing. And And the first one is uncertainty a lot of times creates opportunity. And so uncertainty obviously is uncomfortable, but without it, many times it would be no opportunity. So when we decide to move to a new city or maybe change career paths, we don't know exactly how that's going to happen or work out yet. You know, these experiences help us grow and also change our lives. Yeah. Profit and prosper with the best uh, best of expert advice on investing, taxes, think retirement and personal finance and more. Uh, straight to your email. When we invest, um, returns are compensation for taking on uncertainty. So without risk, there would be no reward. Uh, but there's also a risk in not investing. A lot of people forget about this. Um, if your money doesn't grow over time, it won't go as far in the future. So there is a risk to that whenever you do things like stay out of the markets, etc. Um, this approach to life and investing guides us through uncertain times and helps refocus our attention on opportunities ahead. Yeah, uncertainty does create opportunities both in life and investing. Also, another one here, another one of the six is plan. Um, don't try to predict. I mean, none of us have a crystal ball. So we develop strategies to help maintain uh, and manage an uncertain future. And so we apply to a list of potential colleges, not just our first choice. We, we pack more than that uh, than we think we need to to get to the airport three hours early. So we have some uncertainty there. <clears throat> and uh, we also wear life jackets on boats, even though we know how to swim. So investing is just like life. We, we make plans that account for a broad range of uh, possible outcomes and this way, we can feel empowered um, by the unknown instead of just being paralyzed by it. So uh, research has shown that stock returns are not predictable. <clears throat> no one can predict them consistently. 
that's why it's best to focus on planning for what can happen than trying to predict what will happen. And so the good news is we don't need to be able to pick stocks to have a good investment experience. Over the past century, if you look at the S&P 500 um, annual returns, it's averaged about 10%. Um, and that's over the last you know 96 years. And of course, past performance doesn't guarantee future results, but that's the number, 10%. Um, you know, and we don't know what it's going to be going forward, but don't try to outguess the market. You got to trust them and be prepared for some short-term you know, disappointments from time to time. And odds are you'll have a better investment experience in the long run. So that takeaway is do some planning, don't try to predict. So another um, real key in both investments and life is flexibility can add value. So when you're in the market for a new car, you know, you might know exactly what you want down to the color of the interior trim, but it's going to be hard to locate that precise model and features you're after. And once you do find them, you're probably going to have to pay a premium because you're locked in on that one specific car. Absolutely. And if you're willing to be flexible, maybe going with black instead of gray, you can get that new car faster and at a better price. So flexibility adds value in investing too. So staying flexible around what stocks to hold and when to trade can give you an advantage. While index funds are a solid low-cost solution for many investors, they are forced to trade on certain days to track their index. A lot of people don't realize that. Mm -hmm. um, the funds may not get the best price on the securities they hold, resulting um, you know, in investors leaving returns on the table. So you got to be very careful about that. Yeah, so flexibility is good. And so also harness the power of compounding. Even the small, seemingly inconsequential decisions that we uh, that we make have a big impact over time. And so whether we're training for a marathon or maybe learning a foreign language, each step moves you closer towards that goal, kind of like eating seaweed salad. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a small sacrifice, but I'm doing it. So the same is true for investing. So 10% return on your investment each year, uh, again, similar to the stock market's historical uh, annualized average, would double your money every seven years. It's an amazing stat. Yeah, it Think is. about it. Um, so starting early can help an investor make up for not having a lot of money to invest right away. So in both life and investing, compounding is a very powerful force. So many people feel they don't have enough money to invest, but even small savings can really help prepare you to cross the finish line. Yeah, and the next is control what you can control. So, so much in life is out of our control, whether it's the weather or the fate of our favorite sports teams. I'm preaching to both of us here. Um, <laughs> however, um, you know, we can take charge of how we prepare for and react to life's curveballs, which is just a great lesson in life in general. Um, we may not need an umbrella every day, but it comes in handy uh, when the uncontrollable happens. So, when it comes to investing, you can't control the ups and downs of the market. What you can control is how much you save, the risk you take on, and the guidance and research you seek in putting together an investment plan that is right for you. Uh, the future is uncertain, but the quality of your decisions doesn't have to be. Um, when, you make an informed, when you make informed choices, you have the satisfaction of knowing you did everything within your control, even if things didn't work out exactly the way you hoped. So I, I really like that. Um, yeah. Always focus on what you can control. <clears throat> That's right. That's right. Another one here to, to close out is tune out the noise. And when we focus on an important goal, other people's opinions can be distracting, sometimes even derailing. And who cares if a friend doesn't agree with your new exercise plan as long as it's working uh, for you. And once you've come up with an informed roadmap for success, uh, rally your supporters and turn down the volume on your detractors. So 
you know, the mindset is also key in being a su- successful long-term investor. Uh, as many of us are exposed to a barrage of investment commentary from TV pundits, they're shouting predictions to friends touting the next big investment. Um, <clears throat> you know, there are things that are being pushed um, daily out there, and it's, sometimes it's tempting to uh, to be attracted to that. So, you know, s- things that seem to be too good to be true usually are, and yielding to our fear of missing out can exact a deep price in the form of lower returns over lifetime. So we all know that markets rise and fall over time. So we can certainly be disappointed by downturns. I mean, 2022 was a great example, but we shouldn't be surprised by them. The data says about 25% or about one out of every four years, the market's going to be down, yeah. it'll be negative. And so you know, making sure you plan for that and um, you know, reacting emotionally to market volatility uh, likely is going to be more detrimental to your portfolio performance than the drawdown itself. So I think the key is turn out the noise. One way to do that is through planning. We spend yeah. a lot of time on planning. So it's important to know that. Build in those negative years. Um, control what you can control. This is a great conversation because a lot of times our emotions, you know, it's it's a, it's a constant um, negative drum yeah. that's being beat from the news media. And it uh, it's it's a downer sometimes. Yeah, absolutely, and it's because they're they're focused on what they can control, and that's you know they're trying to make a narrative of fear, so you get advertising dollars to them. That's right, and they want eyeballs, and so yeah, focus on what you can control. Just a great lesson in life in general. Um, yeah, so I thought that was a great article. Yeah, excellent, excellent. So we've got the uh, the question of the week. Yeah, this came in, and and we hear this a lot. And as we're hitting new highs on, with you know, getting close with the S and P and the Dow, um, people are asking, "Hey, should should we be concerned with when once we hit all time highs? Um, is it due for a correction, or is it going to come down?" Um, and yeah, we we hear that concern a lot. And you know, what we would say to that is, capitalism works. You know, these companies are always trying to become more profitable to improve, and as they do that, they become more valuable, and that's why we see all-time highs within yeah. these um, within these indexes. And so, yeah, the market doesn't just work based off of now that it's hit a peak, it's going down. It goes down when things happen like economic conditions and things like that. And yeah, that's going to happen again. It is going to come down, but we don't make a decision based off of just because it hit a new high. Yeah, and it's interesting, the Dow... Uh, Jones, it's only 30 stocks. Yeah. I mean, it's such exactly. a small window. And then the S&P's 500 stocks. Yeah. I mean, very international, um, you know, is a different market that sh- you likely should be invested in small stocks. Well, yeah. And, and well, not not only with that, that is such a small window. And people view that as the, the market. market. Yeah, I know. It's and, not. And the majority of the driving S&P 500 is only like seven stocks. Yeah. Like, does the majority of the work for it. Yeah, and that's dangerous. Dangerous. Yeah, so... Yeah, so the takeaway is um, no, don't be concerned. I mean, the markets do this; um, they they bounce up and down, they go around. As we said, um, you know, they average ten percent have for the last ninety six years. Uh, again, we don't know what the future is going to hold, so uh, that past performance um, yeah. does not guarantee a future results. But uh, you should really—that's noise, right? You probably have someone on the talking talking head saying, "Hey, we're at all time highs," and you know, yeah, turn that off. Absolutely. Yep. All righty, so we got going on to our next conversation about Social Security. And Ryan, this is um, for folks that are going into retirement, such an important topic. And <clears throat> it's amazing. People think Social Security is very easy and simple. Yeah. It's not. It's very, very detailed. There's thousands of pages in the Social Security Code. 
Yes, there is. And so we're going to really walk through three reasons that if you should take it early, because you typically hear people say, hey, no, you need, you need to wait. It's better to wait. But that's not always the case. And, and we want people to feel comfortable with this decision. And that's why it's good to work with planners, look at that financial plan, see what makes sense for you. So yeah, conventional wisdom holds that retirees are financially better off by delaying their social security benefit. But you know, some people, it might not make sense for them. You know, you can receive your full benefit once you reach a full retirement age, and that's around 66 or 67, depending on the year you were born. And we always hear that age 70, you know, you get that additional 8% all the way to age 70 is that golden age for those who wanna maximize that benefit. But you know, you can start as early as 62. And, you know, that means it's a much smaller payout for you. The math is complex and it's a big haircut for you. But, you know, it, it, once again, and like we said, we're going to walk through why it might make sense for you. Um, so, yeah, it is a big decision uh, and we're going to kind of talk through it. So the first reason uh, why you might want to take it early is to pay the bills uh, in cases of like declining health. Mm -hmm. Maybe your health is not in, in a good place and this income can really help you. So. Many people who plan to work until full retirement age fail to reach that goal. Um, a 2023 study by the Employee Benefit Research Institute uh, shows that 35% of people surveyed said they retired early because the health problems or disability, while 38% said it was to care for a spouse or a family member. Mm. So it's not just you, it's, it's those in your household. Uh, so one advisor in this article, and this article comes from the Wall Street Journal, by the way, which I love to read. Um, uh, says he worked with one such couple. The husband had to stop working when he had a stroke at age 62, and his 59-year-old wife had to quit her job to care for him. So life happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So taking Social Security can be uh, early can be an option for individuals who have health problems, or you know maybe they have someone in the family member who is sick, um, but maybe they're not able to get Social Security disability insurance. So. Certainly health is a factor. Um, there obviously could be some tax implications if the individual continues to work and the benefit amount um, you know, can be reduced, reduced based on the salary. So you know, up, up until full retirement age, if you make over a certain amount of money, it's about 20 grand, they can, they can claw back some of that. It doesn't mean you lose that. There's a little misconception out there. It doesn't mean you lose that Social Security money. They basically add it on back at age 67. So but that is a factor um, in deciding. So in addition, if individuals with health problems have employer-sponsored health care and they quit working, they'll need to find alternative health insurance since Medicare doesn't kick in until the age of 65. So options include going maybe on a spouse's plan or maybe shopping for coverage on the health care exchanges. So couples need to look at the whole picture and compare what they're gaining in terms of Social Security benefits with what they're potentially losing uh, and additional income or health insurance benefits. Yeah, the decision to take Social Security early can be more complicated if if uh, the higher earning spouse is ill. When a higher earning spouse claims a benefit early, it will permanently reduce any survivor benefit for the partner. In that case, couples can look at other claiming strategies. One idea, uh, if neither spouse is claimed and both are over 62, have the lower earning spouse take the benefit to preserve the higher earning spouse's benefit. So there's ways to plan for this. Um, family health history is another factor to consider. Um, there's, there is little sense in delaying if because of your health or genetics, you think you're, you know, there's a good chance that you're gonna die relatively young. So not, not a fun thing to talk about, but something to think about. Um, there's also maybe little sense of wait, uh, to wait past full retirement age if a survivor spouse, um, spouse, survivor benefits aren't necessary for a spouse. 
So the break-even age or how long a person needs to live to have made delaying Social Security payments until age 70 a better financial option than claiming early is close to 85 years old for most people. So if you think you're going to make it 85, it might make sense to delay. Yeah, we always tell people if we knew when you were going to pass away, we could tell well, yeah. you the exact right answer. Because <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna, if you have longevity in your family, then then maybe waiting is is yeah. a reason. But if you don't, like we talked about a minute ago, the health piece of it, um, taking it earlier. And sometimes you have clients take Social Security early, early uh, rather than work or even sell assets to fund long term care insurance. And while another, you know, uses it to to buy expensive medication, um, you know, in their lifetime. So. A lot of different reasons. Another one here that that we see is to fund a cash flow shortfall, and early payouts can help when there are shortfalls between the income and expenses, and that's reasonably, you know, a reasonable time to take it. So when retirees need better cash flow, but are trying to delay Social Security, they often end up relying heavily on their investment portfolios. Uh, it can be tough to watch that balance drop um, when there's another income option available out there, and so. Indeed, while delaying, you know, made more sense a few years ago, when the uh, near interest rates meant there was really less incentive to hold on to cash, the the equation has changed. Now the interest rates are higher. Fixed income allocations may produce more significant returns in a portfolio. So taking payouts now and using them to help fund the the cash flow shortfalls means your savings in the portfolio can stay intact compounding and growing over time. Now, obviously, that all depends on how the markets do. Exactly. So that makes some people nervous, yeah. but that is a reason to do. Yeah, and right now, you can earn 5% on cash with the money market. Uh, you know, the higher the return you expect to earn in the market, um, the more claiming early can make sense. Once again, we can't predict anything, but that's something to think about. All right, the third and final, um, and really, this is kind of simple. It's to fund wants instead of needs. Sometimes that makes sense. Um, retirees who are lucky enough to have their expenses covered by other means can take the different you know view towards claiming Social Security early. So you're focusing more on your wants instead of your needs, which is a nice place to be, and it's not for everybody. Um, so single retirees with no dependents, for example, can complete a straightforward analysis balancing the risk-reward of when to claim. If you're single, it's a matter of what are your other resources. You're not harming anyone else by taking it early you know, if it's just you. Unless there's a chance you might remarry or something like that, you want to keep that in mind. Yeah, so for even for married couples, claiming Social Security early can be a, a funding tool um, for lifestyle lifestyle goals. Um, <clears throat> if you want to do additional tra- travel, a lot of times we see you know the main reasons why people take it early are the cash flow, they need it. Yeah. Um, sometimes they want to do additional traveling, but health always plays a factor into it as well. So um, it really depends. It's a it's a personal discussion with um, our clients on yeah. what, they, what, what they value. And there's certainly a few caveats. Um, before claiming Social Security early, individuals should be confident they won't return to full-time work. So if you're going to continue to work, just delay the Social Security um, piece of it. It increases 8% a year. And once payments start, retirees um, have only a year to change their minds. And if they do, they have to pay it back. They, you can yeah. actually reverse that decision. And obviously, there's some tax implications there as well. So taking the benefits on top of a salary could push you into a higher tax bracket. Um, if you haven't already reached full retirement age, it al- also could reduce your benefit temporarily, even if you only work part-time. So there are some thresholds associated with it. Yeah, and retirees under full retirement age who opt for part-time employment and take Social Security are subject to earnings limitations, uh, which kick in at 21400 
for every $2 a person earns from a W-2 self-employment wages over the limit. So uh, the Social Security benefit will be reduced by $1 until reaching full retirement age. So income from pensions, investment income, or dividends aren't subject to this limitation. So you just want to make sure you have a plan in place before you make these decisions. Make sure you understand it all. It's good to work with an advisor, whoever that is in your life. And uh, yeah, and it's, it's always a personal decision. There's no one answer. It just depends on your specific situation. Yeah, it really does. And then we have some software that we can run run these numbers through. And, yeah. and a lot of times it tells <clears throat> the higher earner to delay until age 70. Hmm. If you want to maximize it. Um, but gosh, there's so many other factors. And rarely do we have anybody that waits till age 70. Usually full retirement age is kind of the time. It's like, all right, I'm retired now. I want to use it while I can. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's great to have a higher benefit um, when you're 86 years old, but a lot of 86-year-olds aren't able to use it. Absolutely. That's what it boils down to. So yeah. we're you know, having a balance of making sure you cover yourself now and also in the future as well. So. Such a such a hard answer to give. That's it what is. I always, it's like there it is, is it, because we can't predict yeah. life. Yeah. Know, and so. Yeah, there's, sometimes there's some some clear decisions, but yeah. most of the time you have to kind of talk through um, different scenarios, and the, yeah. the the client you know chooses what they feel more comfortable with, quite frankly. So absolutely, uh, good good topic. That Social Security is um, is something we spend a lot of time on. So um, so the prescription of the week this week this is uh, this is interesting. I met with a a client this um, I guess it was last week. <clears throat> they used to live in the area, and they decided to move up north. Okay. Um, up into uh, the Great White North um, to be close to family. But they were scared to be up there, and they had talked about maybe buying a beach house. And so, you know, buying a second home down on the coast, somewhere where it was warm, that they could come in winter. Yeah. And so, long story short, um, they did not do that. Um, it was super expensive to do that. And so, instead, they've implemented that they take two months out of um, the in January and February out each year, and they go to a different locale. Hmm. And so, um, again, just met with them here locally, and they were on the way down to Florida. Um, they they go down to South Florida, and they nice. rent an Airbnb, and the rental is like like eleven thousand dollars for two months. Yeah. So if you think about the cost of that, you know, you got some travel down there, you're going to eat food both places. So you can't yep. necessarily say that that's going to be additional, but it, it fit into their budget and they're just so happy. And it was a, it's a neat option. Um, you know, a second home and, you know, being down in Florida or whatever um, sounds really cool, but it's also super expensive. And they're, they've gone to Hilton Head before and they've gone yeah. to Tampa and they've gone now they're on the, um, St. Augustine. I mean, they're just kind of bouncing around a little bit and they're taking two months out, getting away from the cold, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so just super happy. It was fun to kind of talk with them and, and find out where they're going. And, um, so, you know, there's with the Airbnb world and the, the VRBO, there's just a lot of options to not have home ownership, but also be able to do some of the the things they want to in retirement. And that's just so cool because, you, like you said, you get a different place. So you get to try different places where if you owned a home, that's where you go, which some people like that, yeah. but it's just it's just different. Yeah, and, and that's so, interesting. Yeah, so I mean, we when we met last week, it was like three degrees up in Gosh. up in the, the northeast, and no. um, they were going down to something that was like you know eighty three. Oh, they were just they couldn't much wait. Better. So anyway, <laughs> that's a good that's an interesting prescription. But um, there are di- different options to accommodate some of your goals associated with it. So. This has been this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, MoneyMD.net. Send us your questions or give us a call here at Richard Young Associates at 706 
739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates and Registered Investment Advisors.